This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Gunna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of what is our Raw Reaction show. Joining you the morning after Arsenal's 2-0 defeat at home against West Ham United in the Premier League. Thank you as always so much for tuning 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 that's the word I want. Tuning in uh, today uh, especially considering it's not the happiest of mornings by any stretch of the imagination um and uh, i thank you for your continued support it's what football's about it's the rough for the smooth um and i hope that you turn up for every result that we have even though some are more challenging than another um good morning to those joining us live in the chat box uh boss oh dave good morning to you to black shine to martin arasilki we've got uh sabre we've got damien uh we've got glenn we've got uh, rob we've got dave thank you guys for tuning in stevie katana franklin mike we've got uh, red star and cliff we've got uh, james we've got john thank you everyone uh for listening in and everybody else as well that is very much appreciated uh what we're going to do is we're going to go through the usual show um as per talking through the key points in part one before taking some of your questions in part two so please make sure you stick around for that if you want to get your comments heard in the second part we did actually do um a a bit of an experiment last night a full-time phone-in show it's something that we might see more of uh, next year. Um, so if you haven't already given that a watch or listened back, we had a variety of callers tune in to give their thoughts on the game. Um, and so, yeah, it was, uh, it was a really good and interesting show. So I look forward maybe to doing more of these if indeed the opportunity comes up. However, in what was, I think, probably easy to say at this point, the worst performance of the season, Arsenal lost... 2-0 at home to West Ham United in what is a massive, massive blow to the club's title hopes. Um, it isn't a killing blow by any stretch of the imagination. And don't let the uh, hyperbolic characters that are out there tell you any differently. Um, but it is a massive blow to Arsenal's title uh, hopes, that is for sure, as, as Liverpool now lead 
the way. And Manchester City can, of course, go above Arsenal with their game in hand with a better goal difference that they have right now. It kind of shows you how many points have been dropped by all the teams, considering that Man City can go uh, above us on goal difference, despite the fact they've won just two of their last seven Premier League games, which shows you how far they could be ahead and perhaps provide some context as well to the season that we have had so far. I want to get this bit out of the way quickly um, because obviously I don't want to be labelled as trying to blame VAR or refereeing decisions as to why we lost. So I think there are a lot of reasons as to why we lost and this is a a factor in that, um, but it's not I'm not going to use it as an excuse. Um, and so I want to address the the refereeing decisions first and swiftly. So you can see on your screen here, and if you obviously you are listening on catch-up, I recommend watching or listening to this while you can see my Twitter feed because I have a small depth, in-depth kind of look at the of the thread of the decisions, which you can uh, have a look at at the Guna Talk TV if you would like to see that small thread. Um, the three frames that you can see are the three frames that we got access to. In frame one, at the top of the screen, you can see the ball ever so slightly crossing the line. In frame two, which for me is the keyframe, you see the ball disappear out of sight. But what you can see, and we'll see in the next slide in a second, a zoomed-in image, you can see the very small gap presented by a thin black line between Jared Bowen's right thigh uh, and the post. The third frame is even more telling because this speeds things on again by another frame. The ball still out of sight, travelling away from the line, and then we get the ball coming into frame between um, Jared Bowen's right and left leg. Now, if we go to the second frame, you can see that black line uh, like I was talking about there. And not only that, but you get a second angle, which wasn't actually shown for more than a couple of seconds in the VAR analysis. Um, I think that image that you can see on the right-hand side of the screen is, is even more telling. I think it's further out of play um, than, than the Joe Willock incident was. I agree with Thierry Henry. We have all this technology and why there can't be a overhead camera. I, I don't know um, why there isn't an overhead camera at all or why there isn't a chip in the ball um, that will tell the referee when the ball has indeed gone out of play. It was um, very frustrating. And then the other VAR incidents, the Saka penalty claim, I don't think it's a penalty. Um, I think Saka is looking for it. And uh, I think in another situation, if Saka goes more towards the player of the starting run, it could be a penalty. But for me, the Saka penalty is not a penalty. What I think is a penalty is Socek's challenge on Gabriel Jesus. Gabriel Jesus um, dummies the ball. Socek slides into the player, takes him out. It's just a foul. It's just a penalty. Um, very clearly and very obviously is a penalty. I won't have this. All oh, the ball's gone. Oh, Martinelli takes the shot. It's a late tackle. The ball has gone miles away. Um, and uh, and Suchek just slides straight into Jesus. It's a penalty. It's it, it just is. There is not a debate there at all. So that's the VAR stuff. <clears throat> you probably won't hear me bring this up again, other than if I'm asked about it in part two. So <coughs> that is the... Uh, that's the frustrating part out of the way, I guess. Now, for me, no, <clears throat> oh, I'm losing my voice already. That's good. Five minutes into the show. Um, our best player on the day uh, was Martin Odegaard. And still, I didn't think he had a good enough game on the day, but he was 
the clear standout performer for Arsenal on the day with his touches, his moves, his turns, his passing, the way in which he just continually tried and tried and tried. The criticism I have of Erdogan is that sometimes he didn't release the ball soon enough. I wanted to see some of those crosses get in a bit earlier. I think he could have gambled a bit more. But my goodness me, the chances that he was creating, the shots he was having to take, he was trying to take this game and and win it on his own at times, which maybe went too far because he could have, as I mentioned, released the ball a little bit earlier. But <clears throat> I think that it was more of a, a performance from a player that when Arsenal, especially from Erdegaard, because there are times where if we're not playing particularly well, it's usually because Erdegaard's not playing particularly well and he's usually out of the game. And some people call him a luxury player. I think that's incredibly harsh. But yeah, I, th- I think Erdegaard's performance was the only thing I could really latch on to, as well as Saliba. I think Saliba had a good game. Um, but beyond that, yeah, it was really difficult to to look beyond that um, because Declan Rice had his worst performance of the season. I haven't actually got a slide on Declan Rice, but I suppose I could have done it. Was, it was notably his worst game of the season. Maybe there was something to do with the narrative affecting him in this game. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that was certainly something to consider. Uh, Gabriel Martinelli. I think we can all agree he's in his worst patch of form. He has two fantastic shooting opportunities and misses both of them. The first one, of course, on the left-hand side. The second one is when that Gabriel Jesus um, challenge is made and the Suchek penalty call is made. He has to score that chance. As soon as the ball cut, I mean, a minimum, he has to get the ball on target. It was and has been a really poor run of form for Gabriel Martinelli. And the problem is, is that the other option, of course, is is Leandro Trossard, who had an equally poor game, maybe slightly better. I thought Martinelli was probably our worst player on the day. Um, he absolutely was the, without doubt, a worse um, player on the pitch for me. And, and we just don't seem to have the options. Nelson came on, didn't change things. I want to see more from Nelson. And I think that shows if there's an offer in January, you know, 15, 20 million pounds, we we need to move Nelson on and bring somebody else in because we just need to have somebody better. We know we need to have more. We'll talk about transfers in a little bit. Gabriel Jesus simply has to score this chance and I don't quite know how he's managed to get his head so far underneath it. I guess his lack of height maybe is the answer to this one. We have 10 Premier League goals between our front three. Saka, Jesus and Martinelli have three Premier League goals but uh, have 10, sorry, Premier League goals between them. That is nowhere near the level of a team that needs to, to win a title. And yes, we need to address things that went wrong last season. And one of that was, of course, the amount of goals that we conceded and we needed to be better defensively. But whilst we have addressed that to some degree and whilst we are more resilient and whilst we are harder to beat, although yesterday certainly wouldn't be an example of that, we we have sacrificed, it seems, quite a lot. But I'm struggling to know why. I'm struggling to understand why a team that scored 88 Premier League goals last season, where Odegaard got 15, Saka got, I think, 15-plus, Jesus got 11, Martinelli got way more than 10 as well, that now, halfway through the season, they have 10 Premier League goals. For the record, Dominic Solanke has 12. It was brought up on our phone-in show yesterday by one of our fantastic callers. Dominic Solanke has more Premier League goals than our front three combined this season. For me, Saka's way too far out wide. 
Saka needs to get far more closer to the, to the box. I'd like to see him in. I think Saka is one of our best finishers. Um, and he's not in the box enough for me. He was far too pushed out into the wide areas. I would have liked to now I've watched the game uh, and back and moments of the game back again. I just I just feel as though whenever we pass the ball out to Saka, he's then, his job is he's got to beat one, two, three players before we get a shot on goal. I think he needs to be in the box more. Um, is the exit, uh, NSW says Xhaka was the glue. Is the, the loss of Granite Xhaka the reason for why we are this different? I can't think that it, it, it can be that significant. The loss of Xhaka is the difference between these this front three scoring as fewer goals as it is. I think it has to come in in some ways with how opposition teams are playing against us. Opposition teams were more open against us last season, and this season they're they're certainly being a lot more reserved, and they're making it a lot harder for us to score goals. I think that is certainly the context. Um, and then we have to talk about the solutions. What is the solution to this problem? I know that I can hear people screaming, "Ivan Tony scores this chance," and maybe Ivan Tony does score this chance, but. We're not going to spend £100 million on him in January. So that's not going to solve it. So how do we solve it with what we've got and with maybe realistic signings in January? Zinchenko had another bad night. I don't want to scapegoat the guy, and I think there was a danger of that happening yesterday. But again, he was poor. And the question mark is, is that we haven't really got another option. I know Kivior people say we should start Kivior, but let's be honest, Kivior isn't going to offer... If we're struggling offensively, Kivior's not going to offer more than Zinchenko does going forwards. The problem is obviously the mistakes that Zinchenko is making defensively and, you know, in a possession-based side, that that is a problem. But I don't think Kivior is 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 going to change that too much. Mohamed Kudus, I thought, was was fantastic. Um, this is kind of the <laughs> this is the antithesis of Arsenal fans. Bad? That is an understatement. It's like you get complained about for saying something accurate, but I know what you mean. He was bad. There's no other really word for it. It was it was dreadful, you know. Um, it was a really poor performance from Zinchenko again. We missed Tommy Asu, we missed Timber, we missed the players that we signed in the summer um to to help this this situation improve. We we missed that that extra. We I mean Arteta clearly knew by starting Timber at left back in the first game of the season that his future as Arsenal manager does not maybe have Zinchenko as his left back. So those suggesting that this is on Arteta, I'm sorry, but Arteta's tried to address this. He's tried to address this by spending the money in the summer, bring, bringing in a player that he thinks can take on that position to another level in Timber and used him there in the first Premier League game of the season. And sadly, you know, sadly, he's he's now injured for the, the long term. And that might prove a really detrimental factor in our hopes of, of what we want to do this season. No one will remember this Raya penalty save. And that's a shame. You know, if we are a 2-2 or 3-2 and this penalty's in the final moments, David Rea will be talking about as the hero of the day saving a penalty. And we don't get to see too many penalties saved at Arsenal. You know, when you're looking at the number of penalties Arsenal goalkeepers have saved down the years in the last decade, you're in single digits uh, from open play. Comfortably, I think, in single digits. So, David Rea, the, the header from Mavropanos is, is excellent. He's obviously unable to get to the Suchek effort, so I'm not really looking at him for the two goals. You have to give David Raya credit for the penalty save. It is an excellent save and, and gives me a little bit more confidence when it comes to um, him being in net for, fen for penalty situations. So that is certainly a positive, if ever so much a slight one. So why didn't we win this game? 77 touches in the penalty box, 30 chances created that led to shots and no goals. And I think that's the reason. I don't look at Arteta particularly. If I was to be 
critical of Arteta, it would be that he didn't gamble with substitutions enough. He didn't bring on Smith Rowe early enough. He didn't bring off Trossard or Martinelli early enough. And But beyond that, I can't expect Arteta to run onto the field and kick the ball in the back of the net. You know, we created 30 shooting opportunities. We had 77 touches in the box and we couldn't finish our chances. Where I do disagree with Arteta is in his post-match analysis when he was asked about the number of chances that his Arsenal team created. Now, he may have been stopping short of criticising his team. He may have been stopping short of criticising the finishing of his players. But when he was asked about our missed chances, he says, it's what it is. We have to try to generate. If we don't score in 30 shots, we have to do 50 or 60 to try to score. It's the only thing. I cannot imagine a game that you have more dominance, more touches in the box, less situation of the opponents against a really good West Ham side. But today wasn't enough to win the game. I don't agree with him. It is not the only thing, as he says. And maybe, and I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here, maybe he's saying that just to defend his players in public and behind the scenes, maybe he's being more critical. Maybe. But it is not the only thing. Because what he should, in my opinion, be saying is that we need to be better with our finishing. Our players need to be better when they take those opportunities. Martinelli has to score. Jesus has to score. You know, Saka has to has to do better with his chance that hits the post. We have to be better. You don't create that many chances and not score and then say, well, we need to create more chances. I genuinely think Arsenal could have had another 30 shots and we wouldn't have scored. It just didn't ever feel like we were creating, or not ever creating a chance to score from, because we did. It just never felt like we were going to score. It never felt like those players were going to have the finishing ability to finish off the chances that we were creating. And so we have to ask the question, then how do we change that? What is the problem? I think we missed Kai Havertz today, yesterday. I think Kai Havertz in those situations, we would have had a better target. And this is where I disagree with people saying that we need to sign a striker just because they're tall. We have an option like that. We have Kai. We missed him today because he was suspended. But we missed Kai Havertz. We missed that option. We missed that variation. Fans have been crying out for a plan B for years and years and years at Arsenal. We have one. He's more than just a plan B because he's a good player as well on top of that. But he does offer you something that he can score goals at Brentford, score goals like he did against Luton as well. We have something different in Kai Havertz. And we missed him. And I'll tell you what, the fans that are saying... Mr. Kai Havertz, what you're talking about is Kai Havertz, are embarrassing themselves. They're embarrassing and they're exposing themselves because they don't understand what he's brought to us in the last couple of months. The reason why he won Player of the Month for November, the reason why he carried on his scoring into December, the reason why he's been in the team and back and established his position. And he gets into those positions that a centre-forward gets into. And I disagree vehemently with AFC Cape Town, who said this on the phone-in show last night, that again, Havertz is not a striker. Sure, not a problem. He's not a striker. But factually, what you're incorrect about is the fact that he gets into the positions of a centre-forward when he scores his goals that we have seen this season. The goal he scored at Brentford, he's in the position of a centre-forward. The goal he scored at Luton, he's in the position of a centre-forward. The goals that he is scoring in positions, the one he scored against Sevilla, is the positions he's getting into that a centre-forward gets into. He gets into those areas that a centre-forward gets into in a position in a game where you are trying to desperately get a goal by getting the ball into the box and he adds something different to that area. And we missed him. Facts. Period. We missed him yesterday. And those that think we didn't, those that think we didn't miss Havertz clearly have not been watching us this season. I've just not been watching. I've just not understood what Kai Havertz brings to this team. Has not understood what he's done in previous games and are too stubborn and proud to change their view and hold their hands up. It is as simple and as factual as that. 
Now, we have obviously the transfer window coming up very soon and the transfer window is important to our season. And I will be disappointed if we don't sign any players. I don't expect us to do a lot of damage at all in the market. I don't expect us to do big, big things because financially we can't. Financially, we are not in a situation to, oh, classic, yes. If you disagree with someone, you call them deluded. That's how it works. See you later. Um, but when it comes to the window, Arsenal need to find a solution. Now, how we're going to do that, I think, has to come from, obviously, sales. I think we need to be proactive in trying to find buyers. I know it's not always possible, and I preach that it's not always possible, but we have to try and find buyers for Reese Nelson for, and perhaps for Eddie Nketiah. I know that we've seen reports, Alan Nixon reported the other day, that Arsenal don't see a way for Eddie Nketiah to leave the club. I think that this is, for me the wrong thing for both the player and the club. I think Eddie Nketi will benefit far more from being at another club where he can start every single week because, let's be honest, he's never going to start over Gabriel Jesus. No matter what we think of Gabriel Jesus, he's never going to start above him. And that means his role, Eddie Nketi, in the team is to come off the bench. And in, in terms of effectiveness from the bench, he is one of the poorest strikers in the league for that fact. For me, he's one of the better strikers in the league for starts, but he doesn't start. And that is a huge problem for Eddie Nketiah at Arsenal. And so if you're not going to start the player who's best when he starts, it's probably best we find an option that is happy to rotate. You look at Liverpool. They've got Nunez and Jota and Diaz and Salah and Gakpo. And besides Salah, the other four are all rotational. Diaz sometimes starts. Gakpo sometimes starts. Nunez sometimes starts. Jota sometimes starts. But they can all score when they start and they can all score when they come off the bench and have shown that on numerous occasions. And Arsenal don't have that at the moment. We don't have the firepower. It's not a massive... It's not me blasting Eddie Nketiah or abusing Eddie Nketiah like some fans definitely do. It is me saying just very calmly that his best work is done when he starts games. And while Gabby Jesus is here, he is not going to start games. And so therefore, he needs to find an environment for me that emphasises the best of his abilities, and that will come if he moves to a club where he starts regularly. And that's just not happening here. You know, whether I think it, whether Arteta thinks it, it's not. And so also you've got Darwin Nunez, sorry, you've got um, you've got Reese Nelson in a situation where he, again, he's, he's good for some moments, like the Bournemouth game last season, the Nottingham Forest game. But when you compare it to the other title challenger's depth, in those wide areas. The difference is night and day. Diogo Jota and Nelson, you know, Jeremy Doku and Nelson, you know, and I've had my criticisms of Doku, but my goodness me, like the, 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 the difference is huge. It's massive. Now, I don't expect that to all be solved in January. And for those that expect us to, or those that are going to be critical of the club, if we don't spend 100 million, what I say to that is you're asking for a reality that doesn't exist. You know, the sustainability rules mean that we are facing restrictions of what we can spend. It's just we need to find a way of working it. And, you know, hopefully we get some offers for our forwards. Hopefully we get some offers for Nelson. Hopefully we get some offers for Enketia. And we can't be stubborn to turn those down. That's where I will be critical, is if we learn that Arsenal have had offers for Nelson and Zinchenko and we've decided against those offers, unless they're obviously insulting, we need to be asking some questions at that point. But until that point comes, it is very difficult for us to do some business in January. I really hope that we do. But the expectations, the noises, the rumours, the whispers, what I certainly have heard is that optimism 
around the club in terms of transfers, it's it's not there. It's it's not expected. And I see comments like this, which again I think is lazy, saying Cronky out. I blame the Cronkies for this fact. No, that's again, that's just a detachment from the reality of understanding what's happened at this club. Arsenal have spent huge amounts of money to overhaul a squad that has been, you know, in my opinion, in previous times by the likes of Raul Sanyehi, by the end of Arsene Wenger's era, by Unai Emery's uh, tenure at the club as well. And some of the people that were at the club during that period, mainly Raul Sanyehi, we've had to spend huge amounts that have been backed by our owners to invest massive amounts of money to change this club to put it into a position where it can compete for a title. And that has cost huge amounts of money, whilst we have not necessarily been able to sell as well as we have wanted to, but we've not been able to. And I still haven't been able to get an answer from anyone that can tell me what Edu should have done better and how. <laughs> it's been a long time. Still not been given an answer by anyone that is critical of Edu's performances in the market from a selling perspective to tell me what we should have done better. What we are expecting in January is hopefully a miracle. And that miracle will only be coming from what we do in regarding sales. And we've got to hope that we can sell. And if an opportunity does come to sell, that we take that opportunity and then reinvest smartly. So let's wait and see, as I always say. But we're going to move to part two now and your questions right after this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, um, I am potentially open, and I did a phone show last night, but I'm potentially open to up it again, but I'm mainly opening it up to, and if you're interested in coming on the show to tell me, if you've been listening to me waffle on for these last 25 minutes, because I have seen people disagree with me in the chat box, and I am so welcome to hearing the opposite point of view. So people that have jumped in and said, no, Tom, you're wrong on this, you're wrong on that. Drop a message into the chat box. Hopefully, I'll see it. If you want to come on the show, I'll send you the link. Absolutely no problem at all. Um, but we're going to take some of your questions. Before I do that, though, um, I want to say a massive thank you to everybody that's bought tickets for our live event. We sold out yesterday. Um, believe it or not, during that game, we actually managed to sell out the live event. So um, I can't wait to see so many of you. 22nd of February at the uh, Old Queen's Head on the Essex Road. Uh, I will be releasing some details about our lineup. I may keep some as a bit of a surprise. Um, I think that'd be quite cool, but I will leave some um, to the imagination and I will let you know some of our guests that will be on the day. But I think it'd be quite nice to have a bit of a surprise as to who some of the guests will be. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But yes, thank you to everyone that's, that's, that's bought tickets. I really appreciate it. Um, Pokemon Go Speller says, no, the money we spend in the summer and then the winter comes from what the club earns. The Cronky hasn't put a single pound into this club and we use our revenue to buy players 
it's entirely incorrect, untrue, and you don't understand how a football club is run by a, a total ownership. Any money the club spend is their money. They have bought the club. When you say they have not spent a single penny, go and do some research about how much they invested to buy the club. That's the money they invest into the club. Any money the club has is their money. Any money at all whatsoever. Um, for those that are asking if they want to jump on the show, I specifically want to hear from people that disagree with what I've been saying. That's what I'm most curious about. I'm always curious to find out where I am wrong about this. So let me know what it is you disagree with. I'll put a message to the chat box and we'll try and sort it out. Uh, Daniel says we should sign Van Heck from Brighton as a proper Saliba rotation. Unsustainable to play Saliba this regularly when we had a major back injury less than a year ago. Daniel, I, I think that the concept of signing another defender is absolutely spot on and we should be doing that. Um, Van Hecker, I'm not so sure. I, th I think he's been doing well for Brighton, but is he, A, accessible? I feel like he's going to be very expensive from Brighton. It's not the best team to try and buy a player from, is it? So that that's going to be tough. Um, Benji says, Tom, I think the players are playing with no familiarity. They don't know where they're going to be and so can't move the ball quickly. Gabriel Martinelli can't make the right decisions. I think that's a form thing. I don't necessarily that's a, I don't think that's a coaching thing. Um, the familiarity thing, I, I don't really get because they've been playing together for a very long time. Um, the only missing link is Xhaka. And if that loss of Xhaka is so clear that it would affect this game, then how have we been so effective winning so many points so far this season and prior to this game we're top of the table so again tricky one um chadwin says do you think the lineup for last night was cor incorrect the only change i would have made is is Jorginho for for uh uh in the midfield with declan rice just to give us a bit more foundation um in the team that's what i probably would have done uh is, is brought Jorginho into that side i mean Jorginho obviously didn't come off the bench during that game he was on the bench um that would have been the only change i would have made i said that during my <clears throat> during my my um my preview show i said i would have started Jorginho and rice together in the midfield just to give us a bit more foundation and probably offer zinchenko a bit more protection i'd certainly be starting those two at fuller at the weekend um well i guess not because we've got Havertz back so I'd, I'd be starting Havertz, so we have a different option um in the uh in the front line um Stephen says the front three don't link up, simply not good enough. They scored more Premier League goals than we've ever scored with 88 last season. It can't be the problem. This is what I don't get and what people I think aren't explaining to me. This team scored more Premier League goals last season than we have ever scored before in the Premier League. So saying the front three aren't good enough can't be true. It can't be true because we know that them scoring more goals in the league than the Invincibles scored clearly shows you what we're capable of doing so why is it not working this time around that's what i'm waiting for an answer for because i'm struggling to try and work that one out uh, joe says i think it's time arteta looks at the academy like nuaneri if we are to sell in ketty no point in signing a, a stop gap striker that blocks an aussie men slash tony uh, in the summer i agree the concept i don't think there's any point in signing a stop gap i don't agree with that we need to sign somebody that changes things um steven says stop living in the steven please come on the show i beg i beg for people like yourself to come on the show to tell me where i'm wrong because often what you leave is comments like this which don't do or mean or say anything stop living in the past it was last season mate 88 goals 88 premier league goals more than the invincibles why aren't we doing that this season what is the explanation why is that not happening again this year i'm still yet for someone it's not living in the past it's last season 
What a melon. Uh, Gunnar Lad says, maybe they're just out of form. Martin Ali is definitely out of form. He is. Maybe is that is it as simple as that? Are we saying that they're out of form? But at the same time, 10 goals between the front three up until this point, I, I you know, I, I don't really get that. I don't really get how we've gone from 88 to 10 at the halfway point for our front three. And I know that the 88 was scored by more than just the front three, but you, you know what I mean. Um, boss says it's because we are too predictable. Every team knows how to play against us. We play boring football. Do we play boring football? Is it bo- Why is it boring? You know, I wasn't bored when we battered Brighton. I wasn't bored when we battered Wolves. I wasn't bored when we battered Burnley. I wasn't bored even in the Newcastle game that we lost. We played some really good stuff. I wasn't bored when we batted Sevilla. I wasn't bored when we went away to Sevilla and won. I wasn't bored uh, in the Man City game necessarily, even though it was more of a, a rugged display, that one. I wasn't bored when we beat Bournemouth 4-0, who have been a very good side this season. I wasn't bored when we batted PSV. I wasn't bored when we batted Manchester United and we were only vulnerable on the counter. I wasn't bored when we went to Crystal Palace and won necessarily. I wasn't bored when we opened the season against Forest. We aren't boring. Yes, we want to walk the ball in the back of the net sometimes, but that's not being boring. We have we have the capacity to play some really good stuff and have shown that this season. I've scored plenty of goals still across the team and have scored big score lines in, in, in many, many games this season. But why is it the front three isn't working? Why is it? Arch- Archangel says, I think they're tired. Arteta never rotates and usually plays the same 11 when available. The area that we haven't necessarily lacked the ability to rotate is that front line. Smith-Rowe, I guess, has been injured. Yes, Fabio Vieira, we've lost. So I guess there is an argument that we've lost some key players. Jesus has also been out. Is injuries, again, the reason? Is is that is that the reason that we aren't able to rotate? Is that the reason why we aren't as good as what we were last season? Is losing Partey when we didn't really lose him as much as we did? Um, you know, we, didn't, we had Partey at the start of last season with quite a lot of it. Um, is that is that a really big part of this? Um, is losing that figure in the team? Is it Xhaka? Is it his absence that we don't get? Um, Pokemon Ghostbusters says, remember the Cronkies are worth 14 billion. Yes, but again, you just don't understand how it works. There are sustainability rules, which means we can't invest unless we sell. Again, do the research. Like It's all well and good throwing in these things, like get the Cronkies out, they're not spending. If, if you don't understand why they're not and you're just blindly throwing in comments that make no sense based upon the actual context, it, it just it falls on deaf ears. Do the research. Uh, you, Nathan, says, hello, Tom. Don't you think we lack spontaneity in many occasions and that it could affect the quality of chances we create? Perhaps. But Jesus' dummy to Martinelli was a great bit of spontaneous thinking which led to a chance Martinelli should score. The ball from Erdegaard that we've seen numerous times into the box are full of imagination at times. I would like to see them sooner played sooner with a little bit more gambling in the final part of that game particularly when we're against the not against the kosh when we're you know peppering the opponent i want to see more risk taken um but maybe we just lacked the tools last night you know we invested in Havertz in the summer to add something different and is is certainly something of a plan b for us hence why he has scored there is no evidence to suggest that he's not a plan b because he's scored plenty of plan b goals this season already um we didn't have him and and that was key um, Chris says we need Watkins, not Tony. With how poor Martinelli has been, again, Tony, I mean, Watkins never going to happen, is it? I mean, if you go to Aston Villa, uh, we'd like Tony. Uh, sorry, <laughs> obsessed. Uh, sorry, Aston Villa, we'd we'd like Watkins. Okay, hundred million. 
because he's just signed a brand new deal. Uh, yeah, we don't have 100 million. How about mm, 50 million over four years? No, see you later. It's not happening, is it? It's not happening because that's what we can do. We can't sign a 100 million pound striker if they're even worth that in January. Like, we, we can't. We can't. Ian says games are decided in both boxes unfortunately finishing our uh, finishing of our forwards is to do better also they seem to lack instinct to finish which is weird uh, and also sometimes we're overplaying our last ball and I think this is probably Ian you know we don't necessarily always agree um, but I think I, you know I agree with you here yesterday was about both boxes yesterday was about West Ham taking their chances in their box Arsenal taking our chances in their box us not defending well enough in our box West Ham defending very, very well in their box. How much of this is just West Ham being very, very good yesterday? They defended probably better than I've seen any team defend in the Premier League this season. And they took the two chances that came to them. And of course, there was some fortune about the first goal, which we, I don't want to focus on because I don't want to be accused of, of making up excuses because there's so many more reasons behind that. I shouldn't see anyone in the comment section being like, you made up excuses because... We've, we have gone over this <laughs> a hell of a lot. Uh, we weren't good enough. We didn't finish our dinner. It is for me, I think that is the key thing. On Yesterday, we didn't finish our chances and they finished theirs and they defended very, very well. And, and look, there's a problem if we go to Fulham and the same thing happens again and we're not trying things differently to change it. I hope we go to Fulham and absolutely batter the, the, the walls down. But... I look at that Brighton performance that we had that was so good. Like, we were so good against Brighton. That was one of the best performances of the season. And the only reason I think that that was different to what we saw yesterday is because West Ham got that early goal and they could just do differently to what Brighton did. Brighton were going to attack us because they wanted to try and win the game. And they nearly did with that Pasco Gross goal getting uh, that, that miss that could have gotten them back into the game. You know? Um, but even in the game against Brighton that we played so well, we, we still lacked, you know, cutting edge and finishing we still lacked that clinical composure that would have perhaps changed things for us but yeah it was it was as soon as we conceded you know our best play in yesterday's game came before West Ham scored I think we can probably agree that you know our best play yesterday came before West Ham scored and it was as soon as they scored that they were able to sit in and close up the spaces that would usually be there at a nil-nil scoreline and that's where we're lacking. I think where Arteta needs to face a couple of questions about, do you know how to win games when the team is sitting in and are holding a lead and have no interest really in getting forwards other than releasing two or three players max on a counter? Do we have enough? And the, the answer to that question is, Kai Havertz has been brought in to change that. He gives us something different. And so that's why when we were struggling to try and break down that Brentford defence in the last 10 minutes of that game, it was Havertz that scored. You know, when Luton decided to sit in on their leads, you know, at 3-2 up, and we were trying to find a way to break Luton down when they were sitting in, it was Kai Havertz that scored. You know, and we, we've, we've missed that. We've missed him uh, in the answer yesterday. So it, it, there's too much evidence to suggest that isn't the case. And so, yes, Arteta did, and the club did try to do something for those situations where we are a goal down but we didn't have that player yesterday we didn't have that solution yesterday and sadly we don't have the rest of the depth in the team to be able to cope with those situations clearly and we didn't then take the chances that we got yesterday um amira says remember when we were so effective playing two at the back with our attacking um triangles on each side i feel like arteta once went for defensive security 
and has affected the attacking. Uh, there's the word fluidity. I think that word gets overused way too much. I think there was loads of fluidity yesterday. It just didn't have the the end. The end. There was no end about our fluidity. There was lots of passing and slick movement and little chances being created, but there was no finishing touch. I don't think we lacked fluidity yesterday. I talked about this on the show. I think we lacked the finishing touch, the final pass. That's what we lacked. There was loads of movement, loads of people, um, little intricate passing. It was too fluid maybe at times, and we just didn't have that player in the box that could finish the chances that we needed to finish. Um, and that's ultimately what cost us again on the day. Uh, John says, Tom, who would you be happy to sell in January and how much do you think it would generate? I think Nelson and Ketia and Ramsdale are the players that you look to. I think, you know, whether or not we want Ramsdale to go is a different question. That's a whole different debate. The reality is that Raya is our starting goalkeeper. The reality is that Raya is going to be our keeper going forwards. Sell Ramsdale in January. Sell Ketia. Sell Nelson. Get the money and reuse it. It's th That, for me, is what I would do. That is that is what I would do. Um it sounds and it's really easy and it's not FIFA. You know, it's if if it was FIFA, it'd be easy, it'd be great. You know. Um, but it's it's really hard to to not to to look at the window and go, there's such an opportunity here for Arsenal. There is such an opportunity here for Arsenal. Um, and if we don't take this, if we don't use this opportunity, then I, I fear I fear where we end up finishing because I think that we lack the depth and because we've had bad luck with injuries once again. But we know that that happens, and so we have to try and plan for that, and we have to try and tackle this window and use it to our the best of our ability. So there you go. Um, Guna Lad says, "Would you buy Solanke, Tom? It depends on the price. If Bournemouth say eighty million quid, then no, because we can't." So we can't, it's not a case of would you, it's a, case, it's a case of, you know, can you? If we can buy Solanke, I'm, I'm coming around to the idea, but it's a case of can. I t I prefer Solanke to Tony. I think, I think Solanke is, is showing more, but I, just, I don't think it's going to happen. So it's, it's just for me and a little bit of a, there's there's a problem with those, isn't it? And it's the case of like, if we can't get Tony, we can't get Solanke, we can't get Ozyman yet, who do you go for? And I think you go and try and find a younger striker. You know, I think you try and find a younger player that offers you something, you know, that we don't have, that is a, that's a clinical finisher that gives you these great opportunities. Um, and, you know, who came back from injury and I wax lyrical about this guy um, in the summer. But again, I don't think we're going to be able to get him in January, and, and that's Patrick Schick. Um, Patrick Schick has been injured this season, but he's come back. He's scored a hat-trick uh, before the, the the winter break for, for Bayer Leverkusen. They've been using Boniface up top. Um, I talked about him in the summer. I, I really think that if there was an opportunity, if you told me that you can we can drop 50 million on Patrick Schick, I think I probably would um, get Patrick Schick through the door. Um, and I think, as Ian points out, or another wide player, and I think maybe adding another wide player, a you know, a a versatile forward to give us some speed. I want to see some speed. So in that Aston Villa game and the Liverpool game in particular, we really lacked somebody with that pace in behind. If Neto's there, great. You know. Um Ghostbeller says if we give pressure to the club, we ain't coming nowhere, Tom. You seem we're relaxed. I mean, I'll give you another chance to retype that sentence because that made no sense. Uh, John says, is this the first season Solanke has hit form and would it be a big risk? Well, I'll put it this way. Solanke's just outscored. Didier uh, Drogba only outscored Solanke, I think, uh, twice more than he currently is right now. That's where we're at. And also, just remember, for those that are saying, is this the first season Solanke has hit form? 
Just remember that Tony's only had one good season in the Premier League. That's it. He had 20 goals last season. Six of those were penalties. He scored seven goals without penalties the season before that. Seven, which is nearly half of what Solanke has this season. Just, just remember that. So the whole first season thing that Solanke's doing well, you know, and I, I'm not saying, John, that you want Tony, but I'm just using that for context, you know. So before people turn around and say, well, Solanke's only having one good season, don't sign him now. Well, you're kind of doing that if you want Tony because he's only had one really good season in the Premier League as well. Uh, Sirius says, how have we had both bad luck with injuries compared to other Prem sides? We have problem. We have probably been one of the luckiest and can play our first choice back five and front three. Well, that's not true, is it, Sirius? Because we missed Jesus for a third of last season and for a portion of this season. Martinelli and Trossard have also been out for a big part of this season. We've lost Saka against Manchester City and still won. Erdegaard was missing because of a concussion and a hip injury throughout this season. We've lost Smith Rowe for the majority of this season. We lost Fabio Vieira now for a fair few months. We've lost Thomas Partey for pretty much the whole of this season. Timber for the whole of this season so far. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting some others. So to ask the question, how have we had bad luck with injuries? I hope that gives you the answer that you're looking for. Because our luck with injuries has been horrific. Absolutely horrific. Um... CJ Dan says, we don't need a wide player. That's where Jesus should be. We need a striker. It's like we've reached the point City did where Jesus is a winger and Zinni is not good enough. And I think that's a fair point. I think there is a, a comparison to maybe City reaching the maximum. They may be that the ceiling with Jesus and Zinchenko is indeed a team that can't beat City, which would make sense because City are the team that sold them. Getting Jesus and Zinchenko turned us into a side that could compete at the top. And that's why both of them started the majority of games of last and this season has coincided with our first genuine title challenges for the first time in a decade plus. You know, so that makes complete sense that maybe the ceiling with Jesus and Zinni is just not quite the title. And that means that we need to go into the market and address that. And the, the irony is, is that we started to do that last summer with Yuri and Timber who started at left-back in the first game of the season and sadly has been injured. So it's not that the club haven't started to try and address that issue, because they have. They have tried to address that issue, because they went out and signed the player that is sadly now out for the majority of this season. It is now about that centre-forward. And and who that centre-forward is, A, I don't think it's going to happen in January, and B, it's going to happen in the summer, and I don't yet know who that is. I see people ask me all the time, well, who would you sign at striker? Well, I've given you a name. I'd probably go for Patrick Schick. Um, but I, I, at the moment, don't see any striker happening in January. The only forward I see happening in January is maybe a rapid, wide, versatile player. You know, that that's what I think that we could potentially see in January. But again, it's going to be very difficult and I think we would have to sell. But if you sold Nketiah for 30 plus million pounds, which I think we should expect from Eddie Nketiah is 30 plus million quid. Some people say 40. I think I even saw reports saying Arsenal want 40. But I think if you would get offered 35, take it and run. And use that money and invest it into uh into uh into another centre forward is what I would do. Um so yeah, there you go. Avanessa Sesco could be available, but 42 million is too much as well. 42 million pounds for a good centre forward is certainly worth investing in. The thing with Sesco, and I like Sesco, I've talked about Sesco a lot, but the problem with Sesco at the moment is that he's not playing enough. He's not starting enough games. He's currently Leipzig's second choice centre forward. You know, he's not starting games. A lot of people talk about him, as I have talked about him. But at the moment, they've got two players in a Pender, who for me, if you can go and get a Pender, great. You're not going to be able to do that. But that's who I'd rather get. 11 goals in 16 Bundesliga games this season for a Pender. I'd love to see a Pender come into Arsenal. I think it'd be a great option for us. 
don't see it happening because it's going to be too expensive. And I don't think we have that. Sesco gets talked about because he's quite, he's a name, you know, he's a name, but in all honesty, I don't think Benjamin Sesco is going to be the, the, the different, he's not going to change things dramatically. I don't really know why Sesco gets thrown in the same kind of space of conversation as Boniface and Jimenez. He does because of the age, if we're talking about the establishment in a starting eleven, Sesco is behind those two. Boniface has started plenty of games, started and scored plenty of goals. Jimenez has started plenty of games, the final scored plenty of goals. You know, it's different. And I think that, you know, if you look to somebody else, and again, I'm going to say his name one more time in, in, in Patrick Schick, like you've got a player who's a, you know, a, a good age um, in, in 27, the, is scoring goals season after season as a record. You know, Tony, I always look at at 28, turning 29, just that slight stretch too far for the money that he would cost. Whereas I think that Schick would be significantly less of a cost than uh, than Tony would. And you'd get a player that gives you all of what Tony does and, and I think a little bit more as well. Um, Lee says, Tom, do you think the departure of Mislin Tat was an error? Absolutely not. He's just been sacked from Ajax. And look at where they are, Lee. Like, absolutely. Losing Mislintat and losing Raul Sanyehi were two of the best things that ever happened to Arsenal Football Club. Losing those two were two of the best things that ever happened to us. Edu comes in, who's just won, by the way, the Best Director Award at the Golden Boy Awards. He's come in and helped us to change the entire landscape of how Arsenal do business. The entire landscape of our Arsenal do business and how we construct a team has changed under Edu. And people want to continuously batter the guy. I still would be more than happy to have entire debates about Edu. But we've gone out and beaten Man City to Declan Rice. You know, who would have ever thought and put Arsenal down as doing that? You know, we've built a squad of a young team that has turned itself from a side that was declining into a side that has, has arrested itself and has turned itself into title challenges under his and Arteta's and the Cronkies studious, uh, studious, studio, studioship. Is that the word? Custodianship, I suppose. Maybe the right way. Um, so, yeah. Uh, next episode, so Tom, so what would you do? I've kind of talked about it. I said in January, be ruthless, sell Nketiah, sell Nelson, sell Ramsdale, get the money in, use that money, invest in players that are going to change things for us really stewardship thank you paul um that that's what i would do it's it, i don't know if it's possible though and that's the and that's my expectation of, of of managing that expectation i don't know if what i would do is possible but unlike others i'm conscious to that you know so that that is where is where i'm at uh, Chris says, Tom, with your logic, I don't know why you're shouting, uh, with Gabby and Zinni, why not have the same logic about Arteta? I'm assuming what you're saying there is that me saying that maybe Zinchenko and Jesus can take us as far as they have done is you saying that maybe Arteta has taken as far as he has done. And the answer to that is obviously no, because all we have done under Arteta is move in one direction, which is forwards the changeability of what Arteta is doing is significant and we all know that last night Arteta wasn't the problem it's the fact that we couldn't finish our dinner that was the problem so no very very different very different indeed um Ghostbuster says Cedric also bought Laconga Tavares Cedric the other players who play in Italy I mean, you don't even know Pablo Marie that is um yes also it's it's a 
it's a whole team thing, by the way. And you just defined 20, 24, 25 million pounds, if that, about 25 to 30 million pounds of investment. So what you've done there is you've heard what I've said about Edu, who signed Rice and Erdegaard and um, Trossard and uh, Gabriel and uh, Tommy Asu and Zinchenko and Jesus and Havertz and obviously Timber, who said that we haven't been able to use, and Ramsdale and Raya on loan. Um, you've heard me say all of that. And you've gone, yeah, but what about that 30 million quid we spent on Tavares and Lecoq? What about that? Oh, terrible. Can you see how silly that is? Pretty silly. Yeah, people aren't perfect. Sometimes signings don't work out. You're not always going to get them. I mean, look at Manchester City with Mateus Nunez. Look at them with Calvin Phillips. Not always they work out. Is that me saying Man City are bad at buying players? I mean, well, depending on the alleged breaches. Um, but no, they clearly have a great eye for talent. Look at Julian Alvarez. You know, look at signings like that. So it's just frustrating. And Daryl says, Tom sniping the chat. Look, I, I think I'm entitled, Daryl, to have my view and to, to to clap back at times at certain comments, which I think aren't accurate. People say that I don't give people the right of an opinion. I do. I give you my honest view of it and I explain why I think it's wrong. I'm not going to tell you your, this abusive term, this abusive term, this abusive term. I might call you a melon. I think that's as far as I might go. Um, but when it comes to, like, I get very frustrated by the fact that people say, Tommy, don't let other people have their opinion. I absolutely do. I hear your opinion out. I give you my thoughts on why I think that it's wrong. Just because I don't accept a different point of view because I've explained why it's wrong doesn't mean I'm not accepting that other people are entitled to have that opinion. You're entitled to think what you want. I'm also entitled to tell you why I think that you're wrong. I'm also entitled to change my mind when I want to change my mind and when someone else puts me into a position where I think I should change my mind. I changed my mind on Havertz. I was I thought it was a risk. I thought it was a massive risk at the start of the season. I thought Arteta's going to die on this sort of Havertz. I don't see how it's going to work. I'm concerned about it. I just can't see it yet. I've seen it now. I hold my hands up about Havertz. Turns out it was a really, really important signing in the summer and we missed him last night. And if we'd have had him last night, maybe we would have won that game because we would have been creating chances for the, the the process that we went through signing him, which was to give us something different, which we really lacked last night. We lacked something different. We had that player and we bought that player and we acted in the market. And Edu and Arteta acted in the market to do that. And as I've said at the start of the show, and I've had no one take up the offer, if you think I'm wrong about anything, you can come on here and tell me. I had no one in the chat box take up that. We had... So many people on the show last night. Fantastic phone-in show. Please go back and watch it if you can, if you haven't done so already. Go back and watch the phone-in show. No one in there by Isowa disagreed about things we were really talking about. And there was no one that really, and even in the case of Isowa, and I think perhaps um, one other um, disagreed. But the, the, the points that were raised were, I think, in my opinion, respectfully, were countered pretty effectively. So, you know, you're all welcome to, to come on the show and, and tell me where I'm wrong. And I'll listen to you and I'll ask you questions and you're happy to ask me questions. But so far, no one seems to take up those offers. So I'm pretty entitled to 
continue thinking the way that I think about this until I'm told otherwise, effectively. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for the kind donation. Uh, I get sick of people pointing to Cedric and Marie. They were needed at the time. They were never going to be long-term solutions. They were better than what we had and served a purpose. Come on, people. Um, it's a really good point, and one that I didn't actually raise when talking about that. And it is frustrating, isn't it? Like, as I listed, you think of all the signs that Arsenal have made, the success we've had with Rice. What a, what a unbelievable deal that Arsenal have done. And we can spend £105 million, do fantastical things in the market we never thought, beat Manchester City to one of their primary targets, and someone goes, but what about Cedric? Can you see how silly that is? Like, it is crazy. It is crazy. Um, John says, uh, you can think one thing one day and something different the following day. And that's absolutely fine. And opinions are there for debate. It's very lazy to just snipe. And Tom provides us with all this, uh, with this platform. Thanks, John. That's very kind of you indeed. Uh, Cass says, um, let's go to look as a fan base. We are all angry after a loss, especially in the manner and the way that it happened. But please calm down. As a fan myself, I don't expect Arsenal to win every game. And the game's gone and we can move on. I'm always in favour of saying to people that they should move on from things. But I don't think you should forget. I think this is why I'm, it's important to have life outside of football. You know, I've le certainly learned that from when my job has become football, that you need to have things outside of that. I was sitting there last game frustrated, annoyed. But if that was me watching Arsenal three, four, five years ago, um, I think that I would have been more angry but I've certainly learned to temper that anger and that's really been beneficial for my own mental health really has been very beneficial um Trevor says our build-up is so slow and allows teams to get behind the ball Liverpool Man City don't play this slow tipsy tape football um our build-up is slow at times but Trevor do you think there's a fair point to say that it wasn't slow in the first what um, in the first 10 to 12 minutes of the game, it wasn't slow. That actually, we were quite quick and we created a few chances in those first 10 to 12 minutes before Suchek scored. And it was as soon as they scored that the game completely flipped. And then it became slow because they were sitting in and just, you know, parking the bus and, and without Havertz, we don't have the option, you know? So I think that probably... Um, changes things a bit. Uh, Archangel says some people have just realised that we're not going to win the title. That's why they're angry. Um, Arsenal can win the league. There's absolutely no, no possible situation whereby Arsenal cannot categorically win the league. By the way, I've just put a link to StreamYard in the chat. You will need to turn your camera on and you'll need to be over the age of 18, of course, to join our phone-in show. So uh, I can't get you on unless you have a camera, a quiet place to record, and you're over the age of 18. Um, it's just a child protection thing. So uh, Fuad says, hey, Tom, I mentioned on last night's atmosphere, um, it seemed quite dead. I get the scoreline didn't help. We had a, um, yeah, we actually had a, a listener on the phone-in show yesterday mentioned the atmosphere. It was disappointing to see so many fans leave. I, I talked about that a bit, so I'm not going to go into it again. But yeah, please, please do go into that a little bit more. Um, uh, let me just send a message quickly um, into our private chat. I know this is really enthralling. <laughs> I know this is really enthralling uh, listening for you. Um, Let's go. Oh, goodness me. So, 
Right. I don't really understand this. You're also, when you have your camera on, you're also going to need to have to show your face, mate. Like you can't have a mask on. Uh, you, if you could see what I'm seeing at the bottom of my screen, yeah, you 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 can't have a mask, mate. You, you, that's no. <laughs> that's just not happening. Uh, Arthur says, uh, still lots of football to be played. Uh, Ron's laid the Ron's lawns. I should know. It's laid the blueprint uh, of how to beat us this season. For me, we didn't take enough risks. Uh, sometimes you need a bit of chaos as well. Um, okay. Perfect. Ghostbella's joining us. Ghostbella, how are you, mate? You good, Joel? Yeah, I'm good. And you? Well, hold on. I need to take my headphones off because you're coming through. Um, why did you put a mask on? No, I just wanted to say, like, I've been an Arsenal fan for a long time, you know. I'm, cool. I'm one of the young ones, as you see. But I think that we should progress in a way that we need to look at some parts of how we play. For example, when we play, um, I see... A lot of triangles, especially around the box of uh, um, Saka, Ben White, and uh, Erdogan. I think that mm. the way we play is too one-dimensional. I, I didn't know if we realized through the game that we played a lot of triangles, you know. And uh, when we played a lot of triangles, of course, we get a lot of passes. That's, that's what the triangles are made for, to get around the box, to get around the field a lot. You know, I live in Sweden, for example. Football here is a lot of passing around, getting possession and uh, seeing how the play goes. But we also need something. If we get all these chances, we also need to strike them in such such um, kind of way. That's why I said we should look at Arteta because he plays this type of game. Why? Because he, he likes to get around the box and get, um, um, how do you say it? He likes to play possession type of ball. But if you don't have a plan and or different plans of playing this kind of type of way, then you will not strike the ball in the net. You don't think that that other plan comes from when we've, you know, when Brentford defended deep, when Luton took their lead and defended deep, that we had Kai Havertz that we brought in to change things and scored two really important No, no, I, I've, I've, changed, I, I've changed my mind on Kai Havertz too. You know, right. By the way. I've changed my mind. Of course, Kai Havertz would have helped. A lot of YouTubers and a lot of uh, people and, uh, and mm. Arsenal fans said that Kai Havertz would, would help because he's a tall player. But I only think that if we need to rely on somebody, I think that the most important thing that we get somebody like maybe someone new as a Kai Havertz, maybe someone who can play in front of Kai Havertz, maybe someone who can play with Kai Havertz. Who? Like, I think Tony. Tony oh, or... So you spend $100 million on Tony? Or, or me. Yes, I would. Yeah, well, that's how much he costs. So would you spend $100 million on him? Yes, I would. And I would okay. also spend a hundred million on the player that plays in Sporting. You know the Swedish player. Oh, uh, Gikares. Um, yeah, Gikares. Yes, yeah, butcher the he's pronunciation, a, but yeah, he, yeah, he's also another one. And says, right, but we ahead. don't have a hundred million. That's the problem. No, I, that was what I said uh, before yeah, about Kroenke. Uh, Do you understand That's, what I was saying? Like we, we factually cannot drop a hundred million pounds on a player, no matter how rich our owners are we can't do that because we would then breach the financial sustainability rules. But, yeah, I know, but isn't it 
isn't it true that the, that the owners ourselves can put in around 30 million pounds to um, support and invest in a player or in the club? Say again, sorry, I didn't quite catch. Isn't it true that that uh, uh, our owner, the Cronkies, can put around yeah. 30 million pounds into the club to invest? Is that not true? I, 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 what's the source of that information? No, they, they said it and uh, I forgot their name, but uh, they said it in the news report that our owners can put, because of our um, the 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 situation we are in right now, that we need to sell a player to buy a player. Yeah. But we the club, we invest the fans that go to the to the to the um, to, um, to the sorry <laughs> to the to the stadiums and go and watch yeah. the games that yeah. invest money to put that money is used to buy the to, to buy the to the to buy the players well it's it's used for a lot of things but what i'm saying to you is that it doesn't matter if we had a sellout crowd at the Emirates every single game this season. It doesn't matter if every one of those fans buys a new shirt for the season. Based upon financial sustainability rules, we cannot invest £100 million because we would go into a situation where we begin to breach those rules that stops that, us from spending. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, that we cannot do it because our club, our own club is investing the money into the to the uh, to the transfers um to the to the transfers but yeah. that's why i'm saying that the cronkies can put from their own pocket in money do you understand what i mean no because that money it it, it counts do you know how the accounting works for a year-on-year situation what we spend goes on like so imagine you got two sides you have expenditure and you have uh, revenue two sides of it right so you're saying that Arsenal can put money into the club to spend, right? So that's nothing to do with revenue. We add another, you know, the, we do what we did when COVID was up and we take out a loan and then we invest the money into the club, buy players with that. So let's say the Cronkies put £100 million into the club, right, and buy Tony. That's what you're suggesting that you want them to do. You want no, them to put £100 million into the club and buy Tony. Is that what, effectively what you're saying? No, but it's not possible. For the Cronkies to put a hundred million because they said, I know that yes that's yeah. what I'm I'm saying that yeah. but, but I'm only saying that okay let's say that uh, the reports have been now lately that we can only put ourselves the club around thirty million to forty million for a player. If, I haven't seen that personally, and I certainly don't know that that's true. Just for the no, record. but we but they say we could only buy one player. Isn't that true? I said that it's certainly my understanding that Arsenal are looking at multiple players, but mm. realistically, depending on what they cost, Arsenal aren't going to be able to invest loads of money in this window. Yeah, exactly. I don't know the figure specifically, but it's nowhere near 100 million. That's for sure. No. So that's what I said. I said in the beginning that we, we as Arsenal can only invest into the players around 30 to 40 million. That's right. why I said if the Cronkies put around 30 million themselves into the club. That could then mean that we we play we pay uh, to the uh, to the clubs in installments, don't we? The we, it's amortized across the length yeah, exactly. of at least so, five years. Yeah, it's for the five years. So let's just say we pay 70 million for uh, for uh, Tony, but we don't really pay 70 million. We pay in front maybe 30 million. Then maybe yeah. in the next four four months you get maybe ten million, 
And then maybe in the next year, he gets maybe, let's just say, 40, 50 million. Then he will continue, right. continue until the price is fulfilled. That's what I'm yeah. saying. That the no, I understand what you're saying. Just, mm. just two things. A, he's not 70 million, he's 100 million. And that's the athletics report. So very, very accurate in terms of information. Secondly, if it's as simple as you say, why haven't they done that? Because they think it will become it, it's, it's risky. They say they, they made me think it's risky to do that. It's a it's a it's, it takes well, a lot of risk. On rice. They they clearly are open to spend and sixty five no, million have Remember that money came from the club. That doesn't that, that didn't come from the owner. What do you mean? It's that they own the club. Of Any money the club spend is their money. No, but I mean from their own pocket. Yeah, it came from us. How much pocket. of their own pocket they have spent to buy the club? Around three billion. Right. So if you're saying they haven't put any of money of their own pocket and then said they've put three billion of their own money to buy the club, they have put three billion in. Of course, this is going to add up the exact figures. I know that they spent 550 million in 2018 to buy out the rest of it. But if we're hypothetically saying it was three billion in total to buy the club, surely that's three billion of their own money, is it not? Yes, but Tom, remember in a business, you need to buy it first. First of all, you need to buy it, then invest in it. You have yeah, the but... money to buy it, and then you have the money to invest. You when you own I mean? something, so let's take a shop, for example. Our, our, investments, our, our investments are Adidas, uh, Emirates, Rwanda. and yeah, the, sponsorship. The sponsorships. That's, that's, that's also how we get it. And our investments is also when the fans come to the stadium, buys a ticket... Yeah, that's all revenue. Yeah, yeah, that's all revenue, and that's yeah. also how how our club uh, breeds uh, the money we get. That's also the uh, the money that we use to buy uh, uh, players. So that I'm yeah. saying that our club, our our owners can use that money that they get from their own pocket, some of it, not all of it. But to I'm buy telling you, I'm telling you that they can't. But how? Because of financial sustainability rules. But those financial is um, um sorry, there's my English is pretty bad. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. You're doing really well. Keep going, mate. Um, uh, financial um, sustainability rules weren't they put? Weren't the Cronkies put them on themselves? Or you mean because when, of course, because when they you invested, buy something, ironically, yeah, they invested, but. Didn't the Cronkies put the, that uh, those rules upon themselves because they make the rules when they buy their club? No, the profit and sustainability rules are implemented by the footballing authorities. They have nothing to do with with. What do you mean players. by the FA? Uh, it's more. It's more UEFA in the Premier League. Uh, I think it's more in the in the case of the profit and sustainability rules. It's the Premier League. So the Premier League put those those um, restrictions in place based upon the wider context of the footballing laws across other nations as well. So when you're saying that you don't understand why they can't put 30 million pounds of their own money into the club, it's because that it, it's not like, it's not like going on to football manager or whatever and get activating a financial takeover and getting 30 million. It doesn't work that way. Arsenal are already 
on a not a watch list if you like but they are certainly on the the edge of that of, of kind of leaning away from the profit and sustainability rule threshold hence why we signed Raya on loan instead of buying him because we couldn't afford to buy him outright in that summer because we haven't made enough money from a revenue perspective and for a player sales perspective to enable us to invest more and so if if the art, if your suggestion is that, well, why can't Cronky just drop 30 million more? It's because it doesn't work that way because you invest 30 million pounds in the money. It doesn't matter where that money comes from. As soon as you spend that money, it shows up on your expenditure that you've spent. So it, it's just, I, I know it's finances and it's complicated and stuff, but it's, I'm just telling you, you can't do that. Like it just, it can't be done. Did that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah of course it, it uh, by the way sense. i really appreciate you jumping on the show first and, and I, I hope the chat books show you the respect that, that you deserve for, for having the front to come on the show um but I, it's just in short because i've got a couple of other people that uh, want to call in as well um in short you can't just put your money your hand in your pocket throw 30 million down and there be no consequences you know manchester city are currently facing 115 alleged breaches of financial rules and a lot of that, there are, if you look and do the research into it, there's a lot of things to do with sponsorship about how the money was invested, et cetera, et cetera. We can't just put our hand into our pocket, drop 30 million from the owners because they've already dropped billions into buying a club that they now own outright, which means all of the money that Arsenal makes is their money. Any money we get from player sales is their money because they own the club. It's if you own a shop, any money your shop makes is yours because you own the shop. So it's that same analogy. So yeah, we can't we can't just spend thirty well, million quid. But can I, can I say one thing? Pocket. One thing before. Of course you, you can. Final thing, yeah. and then we'll move on. Final thing, but sometimes we need to look at this at this one. We haven't won a title for almost twenty years. Is yeah. that true? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, what did, years, it, yeah. yeah, it hurts for me as an Arsenal fan, being mm. an Arsenal fan for almost eight years, seeing us fail and fail and fail every single se season. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice? I know that it will become problematic in the future, but if we think, no, you're going to say, <laughs> if we think in the now, for example, and they right. put around thirty million pounds into the club, yeah, right, and we win something great, maybe the Champions yeah. League, yeah, the Premier League, that will be in our history books forever, right? As an Arsenal okay. fan, as a Arsenal fan, I will be so proud of my club. Would you okay? So you talk. So I'm really glad you used the words. I'd be really proud of my club. So imagine yourself in the feet of a, in the shoes of a Manchester City fan right now. You've won yeah. the treble. You've won Premier League titles. You've won FA Cups. You've won the Champions League. You're now invest, under investigation for 115 alleged breaches. Hypothetically, and I'm being really legally careful here. Hypothetically, if they are to be found guilty, one of the punishments that they could face is A, yes. a points deduction. The B, they could see those titles stripped away from them as well. If you're in that situation and hypothetically that happens, would you still feel proud of your club after having those titles stripped away from you and being deducted points that could place you in threat of relegation or even guarantee relegation would you still be proud of your club that they won those titles no but the thing is that we are not manchester city that's the but thing you're suggesting we we, not, we, we're, we're, we go we're beyond not, the the rules is what you're no, saying but, but i'm not suggesting that we should go beyond the rules like manchester city did the thing is we already have the players there is only, as Arteta said, he only needs four to five players more. 
he, he needs one defender, two midfielders, and he said an attacker. Maybe a striker, a right winger for Saka, um, a backup. So I think right now, if he, we did that investment to buy just one player, those rules, of course, it will go against what we're going to do. But by the end of the season, you never know, you might have a Premier League by your side. Or you never know, you might have a Champions League by your side. In the future, we might get that stripped from us because we broke the rules. I, I don't think, I think we'll get a points deduction. If that happens, okay. <laughs> well, now we're just getting into semantics and back and forths about whether or not it would happen. But I appreciate where you're coming from, and secondly, I appreciate you jumping on the show this morning. But yeah, I I hope you understand why I can't get the same place that that you're in right now. But Ghostbello, I really do appreciate you jumping on. Should Thanks, mate. Off? I'll speak to you soon. There we go. Uh, we're going to try and get a couple more on. Uh, Chris, I know you're waiting for it to come on. Just check the private chat, mate. I've sent you a couple of messages in there um, that I'd need you to acknowledge. Uh, let's get Dyer on as well. Uh, Dyer, how you doing, mate? You good, Joel? I'm good, Tom. How are you? Thanks for being so patient, first of all. Really appreciate that. I'm only going to be around for 15 or so minutes because I can feel no, like I'll I can feel it. the wife's glare uh, <laughs> through the door. Like, why is he going on an hour and 15 minutes? So <laughs> tell me. Um, I was watching yesterday's game and it was shocking to know that from last season to this season, and I called this before the start of the season, that mm. we will not replicate what we did last season. Yeah. You know, it's impossible to do so. It's impossible to replicate, you know, in terms Why of that? goals that the dynamics of this team have changed. If you look at it, we had an advanced eight in Granite Xhaka. We don't have that anymore. You've got Declan Rice, who plays more like a Patrick Vieira um, going forward with the ball okay. as a number 60. And you have Kai Havertz, who effectively, he's a number 10. He's not number eight. So it's a different dynamics yeah, in terms of the, either, yeah. exactly. So he's a, it's a different dynamics in the way that the team are playing, which is why you see Odegaard is dropping a bit more deeper in receiving the ball from the defenders and trying to uh, connect with Benoit and Saka on the right-hand side. Martinelli, I think that there is either a confidence drop or knowing that he's got Zini behind that he has to do more work than he needs to. If you look at when Tommy Asin was playing on the left-hand side, there was more confidence in Martinelli, but he has to do the work because Zini is limited in terms of his defensive deficiencies. We all know this. He's great going forward, but in his defensive ability, um, that needs a lot of work. What my fear is, is that this manager is stubborn in keeping Eddie Nketiah. Unfortunately, it has to be called out. He is stubborn. Eddie, as good as he is, he will never be Arsenal's first choice striker over Hazy's. Not yeah. in a million years, not in yeah. the next lifetime. But he wants to keep him. He also wants to keep Bruce Nelson. I understand that you want to protect the players' value in terms of the money, in terms mm. of how much they're worth. Yeah, but if we want to win the title this season, mm. he needs to sell players. I'd say Ramsdale. If Newcastle need a goalkeeper because um, Pope is injured, sell him to them because he's not getting back into this team. Let, let's be honest. No, he's not, no. for, for everyone who says, "Oh, but he needs to fight until the summer," are you like having a laugh? He's not going to be. Reyes our number one keeper. 
we wanted Rare before we got Ramsdale. Unfortunately, it didn't pan out. We got Ramsdale. As good as Ramsdale was last season, yes, you can still see the mistakes. You can still that he has lost his confidence. You saw it in the West Ham game. You know what I'm saying? He has lost his confidence. I would rather have Carhine on the bench, keep David Rea, you know, and get that money injection to get in, to bring in players. Mm. Now, I've heard you about talking about Tony. Would he be the solution? No. A long-term solution, no, but he would give us that something different to Jesus. Now, I don't I know if we could... I don't know if we could do either alone with an option to buy like we did with Devere, if that's something that they could propose to say, yeah. okay, that is one solution. Patrick Schick, yeah, he was scoring goals for fun last season. This season, he's had his injury. He's yeah. insane. He has come back straight was. away and scored three and one. <laughs> <to Okay. be laughs> well, there, there are options out there, but my fear is the way that Arteta's got this team playing at the present moment, Jesus is dropping deep, similar to how Lacazette was doing last season. Mm. Will he allow that striker to play the way that the striker wants to play? Or is he going to say, no, you're going to have to drop deep, get the ball, receive it to the wingers on either side? That is my fear in terms of if we did get a striker. But will it also upset the dynamics, the way that we're playing at the present moment? That's another mm. thing that you have to consider going Absolutely. forward. Because I think the centre forward has to have some Jesus characteristics exactly. for us to work. Yeah. And that is that is the fear in terms of if we brought in an Osimhen in the summer, how is that going to change the dynamics? Will Osimhen want to play that he wants to play? Or Arteta said, no, you have to play the same way that Jesus is playing, drop deep, link up with the wingers on the either side and try to create chances, tear defenders left and right, and the wingers could score. But I was calling for Pedro Neto, and when I heard in the summer that we inquired about him, I nearly lost my right because I'm thinking we need another winger who is more dynamic than Saka because what I saw from Saka yesterday, I counted 28 times he did the same thing over and over. He's too far wide. Yeah, he is. And the thing is that I even said this in a couple of spaces yesterday because I was on Twitter. When Martinelli and Saka get double team, they do not have a clue what to do. And that's down to the manager. The manager needs to find another way for these guys to play because it is just coming enormous. Just like you, the wings are too far wide. Martinelli's got his head down running, doesn't know what to do when he gets to the byline if he's got two defenders. We saw that against Liverpool. You saw Konate and Trent double team and he did not know what to do. Same with Saki mm. yesterday. I have to give it to West Ham. They knew exactly what they did. Get the early goal, put 10 men behind mm. the ball, defended for the lives and we still couldn't break down the chances. Yeah. So, I would say to Arsenal fans, yes, tempi expectations because if this manager is not going to sell Eddie, which he won't, he won't sell Ramsdale. <laughs> I don't think this is going to be a second consecutive season where... We won't win the league. I think it will be Liverpool. I think eventually City will get their run. Now that KDB's back, that's all I'm saying. And I said it, as soon as KDB comes back, the architect from NC, Man City going to be fine on all cylinders. And again, you have to then question Arteta and why are you being sentiment with these players that you have? He's too yeah. sentiment. And if we had a different type of manager... We wouldn't be in this situation with having Reese Nelson, Reese Nelson, Cedric, Eddie and Ketty and all that. We wouldn't have them in the team. He would have said, nope, you're gone. You know what I'm saying? You're quickly, time's Go you, know, you know where I disagree with that is mm. that the, the people asking or saying things like about the fact that we renewed Nelson, we renewed mm. Nketiah, 
like and you mentioned protecting value etc it is also worth pointing out that there is no transfer fee attached to a, a renewal of a contract and so arsenal are at the brink of the profit and sustainability threshold by doing the business that they have done which does not include obviously the likes of Inketi and Nelson if we hadn't have renewed those players Nelson would have left for free in the summer and Ketty yeah. would have also left for free and there would have been no money attached to those. If you sell a Haylender, if you sell a Youth Academy graduate, it counts as the best financial reward on a balance sheet that a club can oh, yeah. get because there is no transfer fee involved when you get those players in. So yeah. whilst I absolutely agree with you in the sense of I think it's time to move those players on and replace them with somebody better, I think we're absolutely aligned in that thing. Where I disagree with you is that is the argument that another manager would have got rid of them or brought somebody else in. The reason why maybe another manager would have got rid of them and brought them in would not have necessarily been the answer is because deals for the likes of Rice and deals for the likes of Havertz or deals for the likes of Timber and Raya may not have been able to therefore happen because we would have spent that money that we had saved for them by renewing those players in spending them on different options to Enketu Nelson. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a, that, that is a fair point. You know, that is a fair point. And what I would say is that this club, for the longest, they're terrible at selling. You know, I remember when we first started, when the, when the transfer went open, everyone was about counters. We're going to get this much for this player, this yeah, much for this player. Like, buy, and, blah, 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 sell, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was getting so much, and look what we did. And we put ourselves in a situation because we can't spend the player. Yes, you know, Declan Rice, money well spent. Tim Bob, he looks like he could displace Zinni because I think Zinni's got he's limited to his game. And I think Timber is a upgrade on Zinchenko okay. playing at left back. Yeah. Um Kai Habits, even though I was critical of him, he has turned my head to say, you know, he is starting to find his groove, he's starting to find okay. his rhythm. Whether he would have been influential in the game yesterday, we would never know. Thomas Pye again, who I've been heavily critical of. I would sell him in the summer because he yeah. is a liability, regardless of the fact that he's come back from injury. He's a liability. If we didn't have Declan Rice, we wouldn't still be second in the league no, currently no at way. the present moment or drop to no third. Way. So yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I'm not getting my expectations up. If we need a mm-hmm. defender, yes. If we need a Midfielder, yes. I also think, yes, Pedro Neto, if he's out injured or not, you'll have to make the sacrifices either sell Nelson to get a Neto or sell Ramsdale. I think Ramsdale, out of all the players that you mentioned, Eddie, Nelson and Ramsdale, Ramsdale will be the highest one that we'll get the money for. If you have to sell him to Newcastle or Chelsea, do it because you're not getting back into the squad. You know, Ramsdale, you've lived the dream of playing for Arsenal, but Chelsea, your time has, yeah. you know what I'm saying, your time, your time has come. Your time, has, your time has come at Arsenal, and it's a shame the way he's been treated. But that's another conversation. But yeah, I just think <laughs> now that I don't have no confidence going into the following game because what I saw yesterday was, um, it was disgusting. You know, I've seen Arsenal performances over the years, and what I saw yesterday, something has to change. Either someone, one of, either Martinelli is going to have to be get dropped so that he can, you know, come on. Play trust on wing. Um, 
either have Havertz or if Thomas Partey is fit, you know, bring him on, put him on the bench, you know, but we do to Fulham at home. And if we don't buck up our ideas, especially the front three and start scoring, we're not going to be winning this league. And, you know, I'm going to be brutally honest, like Arsenal fans are thinking, yeah, we're going to win the league. Not with that performance. No, I don't think I don't think anyone can sit there and say we're gonna win the league. Like oh, you'll be that was never my expectation at the start of the season. It was Man City the favourite, yeah, and they should win it. But there are some people who are still saying that yes, Arsenal can win the league. I'm like, can I think can, but can will is a very different thing. Yeah, can is a very for me, in my opinion, it's a very tall order in regards to winning the league with this current team, the way that they're playing from what we did last season to this season. Yeah, we're not firing on cylinders. Um, I don't know if we have to go back to the drawing board or something has to happen, but really and truly, it's it, it, we're going through a situation where Martinelli's not having a run of form, Saka's not having a... He's doing what he's doing, but not like last season. And Jesus, we would have thought this season, from the being injured for the you know from last season, that he'd have a better season. And... It's gone worse, and I think, as you know, people said in the comments, getting a striker would be ideal and play Jesus on the wing and giving Saka that break. I think we can all see now why Man City decided to sell Jesus, yeah. why he was yeah, playing on the wing at City. So it's a stepping stone. Like, I, I yeah. never thought that Gabby Jesus and Zinchenko were the be all and end all for Arsenal in regards to them progressing to title challenges. I thought they were the next step. And I think they've proven that because we obviously have become title challengers with those two in the team. But you, the evidence to say that they are the, the 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 end goal, the end game for Arsenal is categorically not there because Man City stands, the team we bought them from, as the yeah. example of no, to go to the next levels of winning leagues, Champions Leagues, trebles, etc., you have to go to the next level. And we we exactly. weren't there yet. The jump we made was massive. And we yeah. and I'm so impressed with the jump that we made. It's now about going to that next level. But the fact is that I think Arsenal are already working towards that. As you mentioned, they signed Yuri and Timber last summer. I think the expectation is that he would be the next evolution of our fullback position on either flank. And I think particularly on the left-hand side, he's got potential for that. And then obviously the next summer is about that centre-forward. And can we sign that player that's going to take us forwards? Uh, Dyer, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to jump to one more caller, but I really appreciate Cheers. you coming on. Thank Thanks, you. bro. Massive stuff. Really appreciate Dyer for jumping on. We've given plenty of love in the chat box and the comment section. We're going to finish the show with Advertus. Join us now. How are you doing, mate? You good, Joel? Uh, I'm okay, Tom. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad, mate. No, but first of all, thank you for being so patient. I, I can't promise you're going to be on for a long time because we're going to have to yeah. wrap things up soon. But tell me what your thoughts are. Uh, first of all, Tom, I just want to say thank you for the level of professionalism every, every day. I know sometimes I come on a little bit late because of the time difference. I'm in Houston, Texas. So a little bit sometimes catches when it's maybe the second half or a little before the first half of the show. But thank you very much for everything. Oh, thanks. And, I mean, for yesterday game, I mean, I'm so devastated. I'm so hurt to see us play the way we play and lose the game where Western doing little or nothing to score two goals in the, the kind of fashion it was conceded is it's painful. And but at the end of the day, it's the game. It's the EPL unpredictable things happen. We see people been losing game that they didn't even sort of lose. So when I go undefeated, but I mean, if your team played that best football and things did not go the way you wanted to go, for some of us who play the game, we just have to accept it and move on and prepare for the next game. And but. 
my point is that the reason why I think the front three is not firing for me is because maybe a lot of teams are probably strategizing how we play. So the coach needs to sometimes intertwine the player, try to move Saka left, try to move Magnetic right, or probably move Jason follow right. Because like we are not kicking goal. We got a lot of parts. If you look at yesterday's stats, it was for alarming that we couldn't even score one goal. Because we are not kicking a lot of in the sense they are buzzing the 18. Everybody will want to make sure we walk in the goal and won't work with most of the team because they are just standing there. If you're going to take shot from anywhere, you can probably deflect on anybody and we can score. But I, you want to walk in the goal, it's, it's just hard to be done. And I'm a little bit confused why Ateta are putting an academy player and the Larry on the bench and you're not even trying to use them, even if like five or ten minutes in the game when, when all our players have been probably man mark. Some of the kids can probably make it impossible to happen because they from somewhere they can they can create something like if they if you watch most of the games, most of the goals that he scores is always in the six year box. It's somewhere around that it is somewhere roaming around there. And also sometimes you, no, you blend it. It's the, the goals yeah. that we don't score that are like that, ironically, have come from crosses into the box for Havertz, who we didn't have last night. And yeah. obviously Declan Rice's goal against Luton as well. That was another cross into a, a back post position. But And obviously maybe some long shots that we've seen scored this season, which to be fair, even in that sense, we've not scored too many of them this year either. I think that the issue we're finding is that if a team gets an early goal like we saw yesterday and we don't take the lead, we struggle because the team yeah. sit back, they they compact themselves and they make it very, very difficult for us to beat them. Now, in the summer, we address that problem by bringing in Kai Havertz as being a different option for us to try and tackle that problem. The problem was yesterday, obviously, we didn't have that player. And then when we got the chances that we got, we weren't clinical enough. And we all know that the, the way to solve that is to have a player that is more clinical as your centre-forward. The issue with that is, is that that's A, not going to be available in January, and B, even finding that in the summer is going to be a really tall order, uh, and it's going to be very expensive as well, and you've got to get the right player and make the right investment, which I don't, as people know for the record, think that Tony, for instance, is. Ozumen would be great, and I think absolutely if his release clause is £110 million, go and activate that i think you know because i don't think who else you're going to get if that makes sense yeah yeah like you said it's going to be very expensive especially during the this january transfer window but like i said the last time on the show i know most of the players right now the the, the daily finish all what we have right now they are all expensive but the last time on the show remember i told you we can go south america and our, our our history are proving that most of the players we got from South America, especially the Brazilian, they are always easy to settle in. We can go to South America, there's players like Palimbo for Alejandro Manero, you got players in Argentina. You can go there and find some of the first three or four top scorers in the leagues and see if they can fit into their style of play. At the end of the day, you just need somebody to stand around that six, 18 yard but you just finish chances. All of two chances, three chances, at least they'll put one in the back of the net. But I know Jesus is not a type of striker because Jesus work himself over time. So the time you expect him to be in the back, he's not there. And sometimes you can blame him. And I know he should be kidding. like he had two possible chances yesterday. I think those two held on one of them. He should have buried one of them. But He's the player that's the first instant where he went with it did not materialize. But we need to, they, 
I mean, like, he'd have been doing a very good job going to South American League. He need to go back and check some of the league and see the top score. The top score in the league. And we'll get those players, you go there, you pay like less than three, four, five million for them. And I think we can afford that with the FFF rules. And we can fit in those, in those, in those type of players to bring them in our league or bring them on our team to do a, a better job. But we all finish. I've been saying, I've been critical and a little bit skeptical that the, the team we have right now. It will probably take out to where we are, but the winning league will be a little bit difficult because we don't have that depth. We don't have that player to actually bring on, like have West City has. And you know, now City is on a bad form, but as soon as they click right away, you have Kevin Dupont on, it's another different ball game for them going forward in the next stage of the league. I know we've been having injury to key players, but at the end of the day, we still need that finisher to help us to get the goals. Because we're playing, we're moving the ball from the big early stage when I'm grabbing for it. But now we're creating chances, over chances, over chances, and we're just not finishing. I don't know why. I just don't know. I, 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 the chances not being finished, I think, were the biggest the biggest reason why we didn't win yesterday was we simply didn't take our chances. Yeah. I don't point the finger at Arteta. I don't point the finger at Edu. I'm not pointing the finger at the fans, even though I don't think they were particularly great, but I'm not pointing the finger yeah. at them. I'm not pointing the fingers at VAR, even though they made no, mistakes. No, we didn't finish our chances, and that is the reason. Advertis, I'm going to have to shoot off the show. I'm really sorry to cut you off. Okay, but, uh, that's right, Tom. Thank you so much for everything. Have a good day. Okay. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate your time. I'll get them. Have a fantastic day. Massive thanks to Advertis there. Brilliant stuff. Please show him some love uh, in the chat and in the comments section as well. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to so many fans uh, all around the world. It always is, uh, especially those that take the time to jump on. I don't necessarily always agree with what I'm saying, but hopefully we can... Uh, appreciate that uh you know we've got so much um to, to enjoy about arsenal but last night certainly highlighted the, the things that we haven't necessarily got in the same way to enjoy uh do drop a like on the video do subscribe to the channel if you're new i'm not saying that this is going to become a regularity of these 8 a.m shows going on an hour and a half it certainly won't be um and i want to do more phone-in shows in the future as well so uh keep your eyes peeled for those have a fantastic day stay safe stay well and as always up the arsenal It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.